G'day and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. We'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their ongoing support in bringing you our live weekly Q&A. Tonight, we are fortunate enough to be speaking with Fred Cook. Fred will be picking who he thinks has asked the best question of the night and they will win a bag of Enduro plus high energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat. Hey Fred, how are you going? Good, thanks. How are you guys? Yeah, good, thank you. Good, thanks mate. Had a good day there? Yeah, good day. Yeah. Little live, so it's a good day. That's all right. <laughs> so we'll jump straight into it. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from and what you do? Um, yeah, I'm from uh, Scone in the upper Hunter Valley in New South Wales. Um, yeah, I manage a, uh, a cattle uh, program here. Um, yeah, we've got it, it's 7,500 acres. Um, two different blocks are about 30 30 odd k's away um one one is a mountain block that we just breed um breed uh cows up there or calves and uh yeah we uh we bring the the uh weaners back down to the lower country here at scone and uh and finish them back down here so uh, yeah so that's that and um yeah i'm married um yeah got two boys two teenage boys um yeah so they're one's one's actually working he's still at home but uh, he's 21 and the other fellow's uh, 17 in year 12, so, yeah, that's uh, where I'm at. That's the game, mate. And do you want to tell us a bit about where did your passion for livestock and working dogs come from? Um, basically, yeah, I, I grew up. My father was, um, yeah, on the farm all his life. He managed properties and things like that. And um, and when I started Jackaroo and I, um, I um, went on to a property that had sheep and cattle and uh and I used to, uh, well, you had to have dogs and horses and bits and pieces. And, uh, yeah, started off with uh, with Kelpies back years ago. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, um, yeah, just went from there and uh, to, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I ended up with about seven or eight dogs in that team. And, yeah, then uh, once I started trialling, I, I switched over to the, uh, the Collies. So, oh, traitor. <laughs> That's okay, mate. And where um, you said uh, when you started jackarooing, mate, did you stay close to home or? Yeah, I did. I was, uh, yeah, I actually worked uh, worked at Cooler. Um, yeah, my father was uh, on a property there, and I started jackarooing with him there. I was I was with him for um for five years there, and and uh, gradually moved out of home, and yeah, went uh, went on as. Uh, the station in and worked around Cooler and then went to Crindy and, and been down here at Scone for uh, oh, close to 20 years now. So, yeah. Um, Did you ever yeah. consider doing anything else? Yeah, well, I did, yes. I, uh, I, I went in the mines about nine years ago. Um, yeah. yeah, and realised that wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Um, yeah, <laughs> really didn't like it. Like, yeah, when it was obviously... Um, yeah, too old and too set in my ways, and yeah, it was uh, yeah pretty tough. I stuck it out for two years, and uh, and ended up being back at the place where I left managing here. So yeah, yeah. yeah so she's uh she's pretty hard going, the old mining guy. Yeah, it's just yeah not for me. It's um yeah. Anyway, um, good on the people that are in there. Like yeah, there's big money yeah. and all that sort of thing, and uh, yeah, good on them. So, but yeah, it just wasn't for me. So yeah. And you, and you mentioned following your father's way. Was there anyone else that inspired you uh, in your working dog and livestock journey? 
Um, yeah, I worked with a with a guy um, by the name of Warwick Large there when I was jackaroon, and um, he was right into his dogs. He had a Kelpie stud. Um, it was called Kelpie Kelpies um, back years ago, and I actually um, bought into his stud. There was a lot of old Scanlan, Scanlan blood in it, um, yep. and, and sort of bought into his stud there, and that's uh, that's where I sort of um, yeah started off with. They were pretty handy kelpies, good all-round kelpies, like for um, cattle and sheep yard. Um, yeah, so that's um, that's where the passion for for dogs come from. And uh, yeah, I sort of uh, I was a horseman. I used to do a fair bit of um, oh, not a fair bit of camp drafting, but camp drafting before I took up dog trialing. And um, yeah, then it just yeah, it sort of we had a family, and it got a bit difficult to um, to have the horses and and kids and. Anyway, so I give the horses away, and uh, yeah, I thought, oh, we did a Greg Prince school, and, and I thought, oh, geez, I, I don't mind this. So yeah, I thought we'd give the dog trial and a, a go, and yeah, been on that from uh, yeah since about '94, I think it was. I started trialing, so fair few years. So yeah, yeah. Up in uh, Upper Hunter, they uh, don't really get a choice not to um, have some experience with horses. They do. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. So. Do you see many similarities between the two? Oh, definitely. Yeah, like, um, yeah, I, I find um, anyone that's a good horseman is always, you know, if he picks up a dog, he's, yeah, he's, he's pretty well on his way. Like, he's, yeah, I find the two, two pretty similar, like, yeah, temperament-wise and everything like that. Like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you mentioned that you started with, um, with Kelpies there early on. And now, now you come over to your colleagues. What type of dog um, or style of dog do you prefer? And why is that? I, I, I'm just, you know, probably probably a bit like my temperament. I'm a pretty quiet sort of fellow, so I like a dog. Um, I like a dog that's pretty quiet. I don't like a, a big rush bus sort of dog. Um, yeah, and, you know, I like a dog to, you know, I don't like him racing out and, you know, grabbing hold of a cow and, and doing all that flying out, I like the dog to go out, you know, reasonably steady. And, and you know, obviously, if a mob of wieners or something are breaking, he's got to get there and got to race and get there. But, um, yeah, I like a dog to show himself first, then, then sort of um, come in and if they keep walking on to him, they've got to, they've got to block and, and turn them back to me. But, yeah, I just like that calmer, calmer style of dog. Yeah. And do you see, do you find that you have, you gravitate to having more of those in your pack um, or do you try and, yeah, that might be your favourite style, but you then kind of have all your other tools to add to your toolkit as well? Yeah, sort of, um, yeah, I tend to, like, more and more these days, the older I get, the, the I think the steadier my dogs are getting as well. Um, I used to really like, you know, when I first had my collies and trialling, um, I had a lot of Greg's dogs, like Clyde dogs and things like that. And I would just love a dog getting out the front, just blocking and folding away and just, you know, racing around blocking and, you know, just that would really, that's what I was after. But these days I've sort of got away from that a bit. Um, yeah, I just like that steady dog. Certainly they're still going to get around the lead and, and block up and things like that. But a lot calmer dog I'm after these days compared to back then. So. Does the type of country you're working on also determine what style of dog you need or not so much? 
Yeah, up, up in the mountain country, like you've got to, you can't, you, you, you sort of got to have a dog that's um, a good wide casting dog and, and a dog that's got a fine cattle. Like, you know, a lot of the times you, you can't, you know, because we use buggies up there, we don't use horses. We've got tracks cut around the mountains and things like that. And the dogs are, you know, you've got to cast the dogs blind to, to find cattle and things to bring them out of the, uh, down out of the gullies or up on top of the mountains. Like, uh, yeah, you just can't have um, have a dog sort of, you know, just eyeballing cattle and, and just getting them for you. they actually got to find them for you. So, so yeah, you've got to have a pretty smart dog up in there. And, and a dog, you know, as I say, I don't like a dog that gets in there and rust, rustles and bustles the cattle like he He's got to sort of stand off and try and, you know, with his presence moving rather than biting and yeah. chewing and things like that up in there. And yeah, so it's, yeah, they've got to be a pretty special dog up in that sort of country. Yeah. And you're talking about, you mentioned a few times there about dog finding cattle. Could you do your job without dogs? Definitely not. Not up in there. You can down the bottom here. Um, I still don't. Like if I've, you know, if I see cattle out in the wrong paddock because they get, a gate open or something like that. I'll drive home to get a dog, like down the flat country. <laughs> like I'm just a lazy bugger these days. Like, yeah, um, yeah so I'll, uh, yeah, I'll drive home and get a dog. But yeah, you definitely couldn't do without dogs up in that country. Yeah. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about your current team? Um, yeah, the current team I've got now is, um, yeah, probably. Probably a fair bit different to the team that I had when I was trialling and, and back on the farm before I left the mines. Um, I come back from the mines era. I, I didn't really keep too many dogs um, when I went to the mines. So I, um, a good friend of mine that I I'd, um, met in the mines, he, he said to me, he said, oh, I've got a nice little bitch here. And um, he said, I'd like you to have a look at her. And I said, oh, yeah, right. So he brought her over. Brought her over and I had a look at her and I was just gobsmacked like, a, yeah, I said, geez, you've got a nice pup there. And, and uh, anyway, he, he said, oh, that's good, that's good. And it was so long, uh, the princey lines and all that sort of thing. He got a, his mother had her over at Dubbo. And uh, anyway, so uh, he said, oh, right, okay. He said, I haven't got time to train it. He said, um, I might get someone to train it. So he sent it away to a trainer and the trainer didn't like it much and, and when I come back to back to the farm, he said to me, he said, oh, that, that little bitch that you liked, he said, I've got her. He said, would you like her? And I said, yeah, that would be real good. Anyway, I took her and that's what my line is based on now. Like an old bitch, she's sort of 13-year-old now and I've pretty much bred everything that I've got now um, out of her. So, yeah, but as I say, she's a, you know, she's got a fair bit of print stuff in her, which, uh, which I do like. So, yeah. Mate, and while we're talking, that she's obviously been a bit influential to you, mate. Who are, who are or were the most influential dogs to get you up to where you are today, and what made them special to you? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think everyone knows if they know me. I, yeah, like the uh, Greg's lines. Like I've always had a lot of, um, well, pretty much all Greg's Greg's breeding in mind at the moment. They just suited suited for what I want, like. Um, or wanted, um, yeah, just for the farm and the and the uh, and the trialing, like that just suited down to the ground. Like you could work any any type of stock with them, and and they, you know, they would do the job for you. So yeah, so yeah, Greg was a big influence on me with his his line. So yeah, 
was it one particular dog that you just went, wow? Yeah, I did. I liked. I, I had, you know, I only just started trialing and met Greg when um, when he had Clyde. Um, yeah, and he was just, you know, I was just every time I'd see him at a trial, my draw would drop like he was yeah. just one hell of a dog. And I said to Greg, I said, oh, if you ever um, if you ever breed a pup out of him, you know, would I be able to get one? And he said, oh. Yeah, you and about 150 others. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know, no worries. And uh, anyway, so um, so the, we we did a school over at Cooler at Carrigan Park with Greg, and uh, and I uh, had me kelpies there. And, and I said to Greg, I said, oh, you know, I just made sure he knew I was after one. And uh, and uh, anyway, he said, yeah, yeah, no, I've got you down down on the list. And, Anyway, he um, he went home and the phone rings about two weeks later and um, and he said, you're still after a pup? And I said, my word, I am. And uh, he said, well, get in the bloody car and get over here. He said, I've got that. So I gets over and um, it was a dog that was called Prince's Toby. Um, and, the well, I shouldn't say it was for me. It was how it started is um, my wife was, well, I started trolling with my Kelpies and I had it, you know, reasonably handy. Lot of Kelpies trial, and um, my wife said to me, She said, Geez, I, I wouldn't mind having a go at this trial in myself. And I said, Oh, Kelpies are too strong for you, I'll get you one of these bloody pussyfoot. <laughs> 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 At any rate, so uh, that that ended up. I, I spoke to Ray and I said, Oh, I'd like to get one for my wife. And he said, Oh, they yeah, get in the car and come over. And that was Princess Toby. And uh, any rate, so he goes over and picks him up and takes him home and lets him grow up. And, and wow, I thought I had some tough kelpies, but old Toby, he was he was one hell of a dog that just yeah had heaps of dog in him. And and uh, anyway, sort of six or eight months down the track, I said to my wife, I said, I don't think this collie's going to suit you. And she said, Oh, why? I said, Oh, he's yeah, he's a lot stronger than my uh, my kelpies to handle. And and she said, Oh, well. Right, she said, well, how about I take the Kelpies and uh, you take the Boulder Collies? So that's that's where we switched over. That's where I started my Collies, like, yeah, yeah. from then on. So, yeah, and, and Princess Toby, I bred, I bred a, um, a, a fair few bitches to him and that's that's basically where my trial trial line came from. And, um, yeah, a good friend of mine, Tony Dickens, he had um, he had a dog called uh, Wichilabar Joy, and we joined um, joined Princess Toby to her, and yeah, we ended up with some really nice, nice bitches out of that litter, and they really bred up. You could put a fox terrier dog to them, and you'd end up with a bloody champion like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so anyway. but no, nah, that's where uh, where I started with my collies, and yeah, I've never been back to the Kelpies. So yeah. So did you sort of have a, a trial line and a work line, or you no? No, not but I had some rougher dogs, yeah, certainly that you couldn't trial, but yeah, all my trial dogs did my did my farm work as well. Yeah. yeah. I would certainly um you know, before a trial I would bring them back in, you know, three weeks or a month before a, a trial and sort of steady them up and, you know, tune them up a bit and do all that sort of thing. But yeah, no, they yeah. they did the work at home for me too. I couldn't have um couldn't have two lot lines like yeah. Yeah, and if you could have any old dog back, mate, who would that be? Yeah, oh, uh, Toby. I thought that was going to be Yeah, way. as I say, I was just learning with Toby as well, like with all the trialling and 
I know Annie did those um, princey schools and bits and pieces. And, um, yeah, he taught me a lot, even though he was a pup. He taught me a lot. And I reckon if I had him back now, um, yeah, like, he'd be just a champion. Even when I was at, when I got him going and things like that, um, when I'd go to a trial, you'd just see everyone say, oh, you know, when's when's Toby coming up? Um, yeah, and everyone would hang on the fence. Like, he was just one of those natural dogs that, um, yeah, that everyone liked. And a lot of people joined bitches to him. And yeah, he was an exceptional dog. So, yeah, I'd definitely have him back today if I could. So. That's the way. Uh, question here from Mark Mangold. Um, you said earlier you were gobsmacked with your friends, bitch, but the trainer didn't like her. He's asking what traits did you like um, in her or what did you see that the trainer didn't? Um, I th- the trainer sort of, you know, he, it, it was a bitch that, that needed the miles. Like she was a full-on bitch um, and and the trainer that had her, um, yeah, like he was, he, you know, he worked 10 or 15 sheep with her and, and this sort of bitch you need to do, you know, take her out on a farm and do days, not just, you know, 10 minutes a day with her. Like you'd have to get her tired. And, um, yeah, I just, you know, she had that much dog in her, like, that I really liked. And, and I could just see some some beautiful work. Like, you know, she would she'd get in and move stock when she needed to, then she'd just break back out. And just a, and she was a beautiful casting dog too, like a natural, natural casting bitch. So, yeah, that's what I saw in her. So. And, mate, you've obviously worked, had a lot of experience with sheep and work cattle day to day. Mate, what, what do you? Do you believe makes a good sheep dog and what makes a little dog? Um, oh, like as I say, I my dogs work both. Um, yeah, it, back to you know, a dogs for me, a dog's got to have presence. You know, he's got to have strength as well. But I like a dog to have presence. Like I, um, yeah, when he's when he's there, like I don't want him hugging his stock all the time and. And having to get in there and rustle and bustle underneath him to move him, like I like him to stand off. And I don't like a dog, you know, biting. That's a last resort. Um, I'd rather a dog just have his presence to move stock and and um, yeah. And that's you know that's my kind of dog. So. Yeah. What do you believe? There are many um, genuine all-round dogs out there. Um. Yeah, I think there certainly are. Um, um, a lot of people are going, you know, I think a lot of people, are, you know, I know a lot of people years ago um, would have, you know, they'd have their team of um, team of yard dogs and they'd, they'd have their team of sheep dogs like paddock dogs and they'd have a mob of, mob of um, cow dogs sort of thing. But, yeah, I think these days, like, people are getting better trainers and, and working their dog better, where they can they can make that dog more universal, like yeah, with more schools and things that are happening these days. So. Yep, and uh, you mentioned there that um, when you're working cattle, you know, bite is your last resort, or working anything. But what are you, what's your feeling about bark on cattle? We're seeing um, a lot more people actually using it as a tool now, where it used to be frowned upon a bit more. Yeah, no, I don't like bark. Um, it's okay on dry cattle, I guess, but yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, it's not something that I. Uh, yeah, they don't stay around my camp if they if they bark. Um, 
yeah, as you guys, yard troll and things like that, it's ideal. But yeah, I'm, you get a you get a cow and calf, and they start barking. You're in you're in bloody lot of strife, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know, if they let out a little bit of a yip or something like that when they're biting, I don't mind. But yeah, just sitting back barking, no, yeah, yeah, I get hammered down the line fairly stirring, stirring things up a bit. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. How important is trainability and having a biddable dog to you? Yeah, um, really, like, yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, I, I've got to have them trained up. It's just in my nature that I can't let a dog sort of run his own race out on the farm. Um, I've got to have him, have him trained up to a certain degree before I'll take him out like a stop and a, and a call off, um, yeah, before I'll take him out so yeah and they've got to be biddable like yeah um i like working working stock nice and quiet and yeah not uh, not run them about so they've got to you know i've got to have a bit of a handle on them so yeah and mate with the um well uh, hype around we're seeing different auctions now and the value of working dogs increasing but um how do you feel about that and uh, where do you see it going into the future yeah, no, I think everyone's just realised um, what you can do with a dog. Um, yeah, certainly. The value, like, you know, 30-odd 30, 30 grand they're making sort of yeah, is probably probably the max I reckon it needs to go to. Um, yep. Yeah, like it, it'd have to be a real special dog for me to pay that sort of money. But, you know, that dog, you know, could probably save two men. Like if he's a, if he's a good all round dog, like yeah, definitely. And you you know these days you've got to pay a pay a worker, you know, sixty grand a year, um, and he he doesn't have to be too special. You that you've got to pay him that sort of thing. So <laughs> that's thirty grand and and covers two guys like that. Well, yeah, yeah he's special. Work. Good investment, right? <laughs> That's right. So. Not, not going to call in sick, take holidays, or just not show <laughs> no, up. No, that's, that's exactly right. Chuck him a few biscuits and a bit of meat. yeah, he's keen to go. Keen to go Very again. Happy. Yeah. Can you explain what feel is to you? Um, feel for me is a dog that um, that like as I say years ago, I used to like that dog to get right around the head, um, be right on the head, and, and just love the head, but um, like Furl is, I had a had a white bitch. Oh, it'll be ten year ago. And um, anyway, I I this is where I work learnt what Furl was. Like I I took her out. I've got a little guard here, and I was working a few sheep, and and uh, and I, I took her out there, and I thought, my God, you're going to have to go somewhere. I don't like you. Like you're not on the head. Um, anyway, I was on the blink of ringing a bloke up and saying, I'll oh, come and get her. Anyway, I, was, I thought about it and I thought, well, where, where are my sheep? Like, and, you know, the sheep are always with me. like they, And they were never stirred up or anything. And I thought, oh, God, like, and this this little bitch just, or she could work them from behind the eye or, or on the shoulder. She'd never have to, you know, she would get to the head if she had to. But, and that's where I learnt where Phil was, like, yeah. you she could she could hold those sheep without getting around to the head and, and jumping around and and um, and that's that's feel for me like it's yeah um so yeah and, and just a nice soft easy going dog so yeah yep 
That's good. And um, mate, what age do you normally start your pups? Oh, in saying that, I've got a theory that I don't start my pups until I'm ready. Yeah. You start a pup and you've got to be ready. Like he'll he'll want to go down the paddock and chase bloody anything you can. If you if you take him down and chase dog and he's got some dog in him, he'll want to go. He'll know the hell out of you. Um, so in saying that, um, I've got a little pup here at the moment. She's sort of oh, 12, 12 weeks old or so, and, and I was just mucking around out in the backyard, and she was only six weeks old, and she, um, my wife's got some chooks there, and, and she sort of was having a look at them. And, and uh, anyway, so I thought, oh. So I just got up, and, and anyway, she took on this bloody chook and, and just worked it beautifully, and, and uh and I just, uh, when I saw her work the chook, I thought, well, I've just got to show her some sheep to see, see how good she really is. And uh, and uh, in saying that, she was six weeks old. But normally normally around three to four months old, I'll show them the stock one. And now I'm ready. Yep. Yeah. What stock are you starting them on? Ah, uh, sheep. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and I won't, uh, I won't take them on to one. Um, Onto anything else, to, oh well, onto cattle until you know they're probably twelve months old, somewhere like that, where I've got a bit of a hand on them, and and um, yeah, and when I do put them on cattle, they've you know the cattle have got to be quiet as well, like um, so yeah, about that three to four months old, so yeah. And do you have any milestone expectations on pups at all? And if so, like, what are you looking for, and and when? Um. Yeah, it's sort of at three months old. I want them to definitely have a look. Like, um, I, I don't want something that wants to run home. Um, yeah. yeah, I find. Yeah, you know, as I say, with my dogs, they've got a fair bit of dog in them, and they are keen to go. But I have had some that that do want to run home or sit in the corner and and sulk and not have have a have a look. But yeah, ideally, I'd like them to have a, at least a look and. And sort of, you know, watch their stock a bit. They don't have to do too much. Probably, you know, if I take them down half a dozen times, um, and they haven't had a look, I start getting a bit disappointed with that. But yeah, they're sort of, yeah, um, yeah. That's sort of what I'm looking at. So, yeah. Do you have an age limit on that? Uh, like, they haven't shown you anything. Yeah, like, like I. Sort of, if I don't get along, like I've got a bit of a feeling with a dog or a pup when they're, you know, even just dry work or when I've got them on a lead or, you know, taking them for a walk, I get to like a dog. Um, and if I like something in that dog, even just dry work like that, I'll sort of normally try and keep them around for 12 months. Um, but if they're not, if they're not keen on stock after that, um, yeah, they sort of need to go somewhere else. But yeah. And if I don't get along with them, if they've got some traits that I don't like, you know, before that, they sort of, you know, six months, something like that. So, yeah. And yeah. those late starters, what are you doing to encourage them to bring them on or build desire in them? I just, I tend to, tend to tie them up down, you know, down at a round yard or on a fence somewhere where they can see other pups and dogs working. Um, just to get them keen and, and watching and close to the action. Like, um, 
then if that doesn't work, my last resort is putting it, putting them in with another dog. I don't really like that. They've got to start on their own. Um, but yeah, if I'm sort of keen on that dog and, and yeah, I will throw another dog in there once or twice and see what happens after that. So yeah. yeah. So what degree, degree do you just trust the breeding in the pup versus what it's actually doing at a certain age? Um, to be honest with you, the breeding for me doesn't, yeah, doesn't really mean much. Like the dog's got to have it in them. Like you could have a pedigree as long as, yeah, as long as you're yeah. out. But yeah, it, yeah. And I have had some that, that, yeah, I've had a couple that won't work, just won't even look like at, at 12 months old. And they've got the pedigree to, yeah, all the grandparents, their parents and everything are champions. Like, but yeah, so yep. you, yeah. Obviously, you do get ones that just don't won't work, but yeah, so you got to expect that. So, yeah. and mate, when you're training a pup, you want to let us or tell us a bit about your process. Like, how much time would you put into a pup at what particular ages? If you're someone like me that just can't help yourself by keep playing with your new toy, or you yeah, restrain- <laughs> yeah, no, sort of years ago, I used to um, used to really get into them, and and I'd you know take them down, you know, at least three days a week and, um, yeah, play around with them in the round yard. Um, but these days I sort of, you know, due to my work, I probably, you know, if 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 I take them down at three months old and they're showing something maybe once a week for, you know, 15 minutes or something like that. Um, yep. And I'll start them, you know, I'll certainly give them a look in the round yard just so the stocker um, there where they can sort of get to them, they don't, you know, the last thing I want them, you know, if they do switch on is, um, you know, chasing them down the paddock and splitting them off and breaking one off and doing all that sort of thing. That's why I put them in the round yard to start with. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, so I bet, yeah, yeah, that's about it, about three months and, yeah, 10 or 15 minutes, you know, of a weekend, something yep. like that, Saturday and Sunday. So, yeah, yep. Then certainly once they're once they're keen, once they get the sort of seven or eight months old, you you need to sort of do you know at least you know three times a week or something like that to uh, to give them you know to keep them going. Yeah. So, so what age are you taking them to work with you? Oh, uh, around twelve months. Like I'll take a, I'll take a puppet sort of three or four months old just for a, just out in the buggy and and just checking stock and doing all that sort of thing. I'll. I'll cart them with me as much as I can. But, um, yeah, actually putting them on stock, you know, um, yeah, around 12, 14 months old. Yeah. How important are good breaks to you and do you put a big emphasis on a stock? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, yeah, I've probably been critical of, um, of putting too much of a stock on my dogs. Um, years ago these days I've been a bit more of a lazy bugger that uh, – doesn't get that much, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. When I was when I was really into my trialing, I uh, yeah, I liked a good stop, and yeah, yeah, it's definitely. How did you stop. go about? Sorry, how did you go about teaching that? Uh, say that again. How did you go about teaching that stop? Um, yeah, that was just um, basically quite cheap out in the. I wouldn't even. Um, as I say in the round yard, I'd just give them a look and get them keen there. Then, then I'd get really quite cheap in, in a little, you know, I've got a, 
a couple acre paddock there and um, I'd just work up and down a fence and and I'd start off with them on a long lead um, and and uh, uh, back the Princey again, a, a plastic garden rake and, and just do that and, and just keep blocking them like and just putting a stop on them, whether it's a, whether it's a, I use a whistle and a voice command. So, um, yeah, I just feel like stop blocking with the rake that might make me, but, yeah, um, just keep stopping them with that. And if they wouldn't stop, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd have that long lead on them that's, yeah, it might be um, five or six metres long and I'd, I'd just walk out and tread on the lead and give the lead a bit of a jerk and get them to stop that way. But, yeah, 90% of the time you can get them to stop with a rake while blocking them. So. And you mentioned there, like, you don't mind a voice command and a whistle. Is there a particular reason that you, you run with both? Um, yeah, basically... Um, like when you're out on the out in the paddock, um, yeah. Rather than yelling, like I yeah, I can't really yell. <laughs> yeah, so I tend to find a whistle travels a fair bit further, and and um, especially up in mountain country, like you, yeah, yeah, you can't you know be yelling, yelling and maybe screaming and doing all that sort of thing. So I find it, and a dog, I find you know hears a whistle a lot better, understands a whistle. So, yeah. What kind of casting action or shape do you prefer? Um, yeah, like I start off, um, I start off uh, right down on sheep with the yeah with a pup. You know, he might be six or seven or eight meters away from the sheep, and just giving him a little cast. I have my sheep on a fence, um, whichever way I want to cast, just so my sheep don't run off and things like that. And I'll I'll basically cast him around and. And stop him on on the um, on the other side of the sheet. Then I'll I'll gradually over time over. You know, it could take you over five months, six months to get a decent cast on them. But then I'll just gradually take them back. You know, it might be only three or four meters each time, and and cast them again and things like that. And if you're running the trouble, you know, if they're starting to squeeze in at the back end, you go back to your basics. Like start yep. from where you actually saw it. Um, saw it. Start to fall apart, like yeah, and then gradually work back again. So, so get closer to your sheep again. That's right, exactly. Yeah, wherever you see, wherever you see an issue, go back to where that issue started, and start again and work your way back. Yeah, yep. And we were talking earlier about um some pups in your line. Do you breed many pups? No, not really these days. I breed. I only breed when I want um when I want to pup myself. I don't breed them to um to market them or do anything like that so yeah if i um if i um yeah want a pup i'll breed them and yeah you know i'll sell them sell a few or hand them out to people who um, who want some and they're the, the remainder so what are you looking for when considering a future joining um Oh, joining's one of those things that, you know, you can have the best of the best but end up with bloody nothing. So, yeah, mm -hmm. like, you know, I certainly I certainly like to have a look at the, the dog. The dog's got to be proven. Like, I, yeah, a young dog for me I don't sort of look at too much. Um, yeah, it's, and, yeah, I like a dog that's sort of probably five, six-year-old that's, that's, you know, done his fair work of um, fair share of work and, and you know, I probably probably tend to lean a dog that's either you know he's trialed a bit with cattle or sheep, 
um, mm -hmm. just to say, because for me, a dog, um, you know, a farm dog is totally different to a trial dog in in their mind. Like they've got to be trainable, like to be a trial dog. Like you you start trying to um, put pressure on a dog. A lot of dogs won't handle handle a you know a lot of pressure. Where yeah. you know you can see some real nice farm dogs out there, but as soon as you bring them in and try and put um, a good stop and sides and all that on them, they they don't handle it. Like so, I tend to tend to like a dog that's trialed a bit or someone that's got a really good handle on them. Um, yep. Just so I know that they can handle that pressure of being trained. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and also pedigree as well. I don't mind, yeah. Don't, just just for um, down the track sort of, yeah, you can keep a bit of an eye on what you're breeding. And, and yeah. That, so, yeah. Question here from Maddie Hay. When doing a joining, do you believe that the male has a greater influence over the genotype and phenotype of the progeny, or do you feel that both the dam and the sire have equal influence? No, I found that I find the um, the bitch has more dominance over. Mm -hmm. um, I reckon around around that seventy percent. Um, yeah, I've found with the breeding that I've done that you know a lot of the pups have thrown back to the mother's traits rather than the father. Yeah. Yep. And do you have a criteria that the bitch needs to meet before you breed from her? Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I yeah. Um I won't breed from a bitch that um that yeah, that you know, that I don't like. Like she's gotta be pretty special for me to, to um to join. Um yeah, just you know, I find that those those bad traits really come out yeah in in pups and in later on in life too, like yeah. So yeah, um, I like it. Yeah, you know, I like something that I like. Like yeah. yeah, yeah. In your eyes, what makes a good sire? Um, I'm yeah. I, I like you know. I'm a good struct. Like I like a good structured dog. Like yeah, I, I don't mm -hmm. like hair that much in collies. Like um yeah and i like a bit of leg under and athletic sort of type dogs um yeah, and it, as i say a softer sort of dog for me these days so yeah as a lot of people know i've got um i've got princess timmy here and he's my you know he's the ideal dog for me like for what he what he is um yeah he's soft you know he can um, he can pretty much work any any type dog and and um He's trainable. Yeah, he's just got everything. So, yeah, that's the sort of dog I'm looking for. So. And is there any particular traits that you'd like to put into your line moving forward? Uh, yeah, you sort of, you've got to keep, you know, these days I find you've got to keep that um, the dog that's got um, presence. Uh, yeah, I found, found you can get out of that real quick, like if you're not careful. Yeah. Um, in a dog, so that's that's a trait that I really look for in a dog. Okay. Yep. Do you have an opinion on AI and using dogs that have been dead for some time compared to using the best sire you can find today? Um, yeah, I, I, I sort of haven't haven't thought about it too much, and you know, in the last sort of you know six or twelve months about that sort of thing, but. 
yeah, definitely there's a lot of lot of old dogs that I would, you know, I'd love to have again these days. So yeah, definitely um, if they if there was semen in the tank for those kind of dogs, yeah, I think um, you know, I think these days we're better trainers um, than what yeah. we were, say, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And I reckon that you know, there were some really good dogs out there that just probably weren't trained up or schooled up to what we are today. Um, yeah, so, yeah, love the opportunity to uh, bring a lot of those old dogs back and try them again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, mate. And, and what's your special formula for picking the pup out of the litter, mate? Uh, it's a hard one. I think it's, yeah, one of those things you basically close your eyes and go on and grab one. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I certainly don't like a pup that's, um, you know, if you make a bit of noise, you clap your hands or something that he, that he sits up the back of the bloody kennel and hides there. Like I like something that comes out and, and meets and greets you um, for a pat and things like that. I don't want something that's, you know, really bold. It's, you know, it's, you know, totally, totally mad. Um, yeah, I'm sort of in between with that, but yeah. And just, and I think, you know, for me, it's worked for me a lot is the runt in the litter. Yeah. Um, I've found that the runt is just, you know, because he's got a fight to survive, um, he's, yeah, he's a survivor and, you know, he gets out there and, and um, yeah, shows everything he's got all the time. And, yeah, he's tough and, yeah. So I tend to sort of lean that way too. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and do you so, find you find you have a special spot for that kind of dog because like I it's do. always a bit behind and you go, well, oh, come on, you know, you barrack for the underdog a bit. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely, yeah, and, um, yeah, no, and I avoid, yeah, you know, not always, but I've been pretty successful in 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 taking the run, like yeah, and I'm a sort of person that um, yeah, when people come to pick a pup up from me, I like them looking, you know, just perfect, and and I sort of try and hide the runt away and. <laughs> that's my one leave me alone that's it that's it for sure so uh, but no normally i uh, i take the run or yeah but yeah it's, you know structurally wise it's it's nice to see you know if i went and, and picked a pup up out of a litter that someone else had i probably probably would look at structure wise and a good type um leggy sort of dog and things like that so yeah yeah any advice for someone going to purchase their first dog or pick a pup? Um, no, not really. Probably only those few things that I that I said there. Like, um, yeah, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't go for that little pup that sits up the back of the kennel and hides and is timid and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably go um, go for that bolder. You know, it, it's. You know, whatever that person is after, if he's a bold person that's loud and, and all that, I think, um, yeah, probably that pup that comes out and grabs him on the trousers and tugs off his trousers and things like that is probably probably one that he wants. But, um, yeah, for a quieter person that, um, yeah, with, you know, just one of those calmer sort of dogs that comes out and just wants a pat or pups and just wants a pat, and, yeah, that's the one I'd be picking. So, yeah. Yeah. That's the go. Mate, we spoke about trialling a bit a uh, bit earlier. We might um get jump on the trialling, some trialling questions if that's all right. But how how long have you been trialling now? Uh yeah, since uh I think ninety ninety four, I think was my first trial. Um 
yeah, I think I actually come over here from Cooler. I did um, did the Great Prince School over there and thought I was dog champion and and uh, yeah, and come over come over to Stone. There's a little place um, near Stone here called Gundy, and I can remember coming there. I had two two kelpies and um, and for some reason I didn't have my Ute. I can remember it, and my wife had a little Datsun 180B. And we yeah. had to dodge these two Kelpies perched up in the back seat and rocks up to this trial. <laughs> uh, that was my first trial, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, from then on, I was just stuck with it. Like, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. How did yeah, that first trial go? Sorry, how did that first trial go? Yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Everyone, you know, I, I had my chest out. I think I, uh, I think I uh, might have pen with my yellow Kelpie there. Gundy and everyone yeah. kept saying, "Oh, what a good copy!" And I, I puffed the chest out. Oh, yeah, she is. And and uh, anyway, <laughs> I remember I um, we run a trial at Cooler at Carradine Park there at Cooler, and, and um, I took this yellow Kelpie out, and um, oh, nerves! Like you'd never seen a person more nervous than me. And um, um, the the judge was there. I cast my dog out, and and uh, she went out and cast around beautiful and bringing them up and. Back in those days, I had a stick. I used to carry it. And um, anyway, I, I was slapping it on my leg, like slap, slap. Didn't even realise I was doing it. And the judge came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder and he said, uh, you know what you can do with that stick? <laughs> I said, what stick? He said, the one you're flapping on your leg there. And uh, anyway, and, uh, I said, right. Uh, so, uh, anyway, so it gets, uh, gets around and, and pens with this Kelpie. And, and uh, anyway, kept, Kevin Bell was there. He used to be a farrier there at um, Cooler, and he came up to me and he said, uh, "He said, geez, that's a good kelpie, isn't it?" And I said, "Yeah, it is, isn't it?" That's yeah. And he said, uh, "He said, I'll give you one word advice." He said, uh, "He said, I'll get rid of that bloody thing before it goes bad." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, she was a pretty special kelpie, and uh, as I say, from I think from that trial on, I. Um, I uh, yeah, my wife took the the kelpies and I went on to the collies and and went from there. So, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. So that was my uh, first encounter with um with trialing and uh, yeah. From then on, I just got stuck to it and did a few more um princey schools and yeah, got my collies going and yeah, sort of went yeah went pretty hard with it for uh, oh, probably twenty years, I suppose. And yeah, yeah, yeah really loved it. So, yeah. Good sport, good friendly people, and yeah, just love it. So, so what type of trialing do you do, and have you had any other interest in other formats of trialing? Um, I've done the. Oh, I've done, I think probably two utility trials. I really like the aspect of the um, the utility trials, but there just wasn't too many around this area. Um, yep. Yeah, I think that really shows a good dog, like. Um, but yeah, I sort of I've done pretty much um, I've done a little bit of yard trolling, not not too much. Um, yeah, more more um, oh, a lot more three sheep trolling, and, and in the later years, I've went to uh, went to the cattle trolling just due to um, due to not having enough time to get my dogs um, tuned. I guess you'd say to go away and, and compete in a three sheep trolling and be competitive like. It's just yeah, yep. just with my work and things these days. Where I find with um, with cattle trialing, you can sort of um, take your dogs off the 
off the farm and sort of go and go um, cattle trial and you know not quite have the polish that you need for a, for a three sheep. That's why I'm sort of going with the uh, with the cattle trial. And so, sorry, mate. I've seen your dogs get around a yard trial too. Pretty handy <laughs> there. Oh, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a good bit of fun, the yard trial, and I like it too, so, but just haven't done much of it, so, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. And, and why do you trial, mate? What, what What's the buzz for you? What's the kick? Um, I just, yeah, I just like having a good dog, like a, a good trainable dog, like it's, um, it's, yeah, just rewarding, I reckon, like if you, especially, you know, if you go away and happen to get a ribbon, um, especially if, yeah, if it's one you've bred and you've trained, um, there's nothing better. Like, um, yeah, there's some proud moments when you when you get the ribbon and um, you got the dog beside you there that's um, that you've trained and bred. There's nothing better. So, so do you believe that trials simulate real work scenarios? Yeah, to a certain degree. Like, you know. Um, a dog, you know, for a dog to go from a trial ring or, you know, from a, a small, you know, as I say, I've got a, you know, a few acre block, a paddock here that I uh, train my dogs in. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, they do simulate, but, you know, a dog going from a, from a basically a trial ring or a small paddock out into a, you know, a big paddock, he gets lost for the first, you know, three or four months like you just you've got to basically retrain him to to go out and be a be a farm dog yeah but yeah i think there's definitely sim similarities in both um yeah yeah for sure and what makes a good trial for you mate what what makes a good trial yeah what, 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 when you walk away from a trial and you go geez that was a good trial yeah um certainly um you know i like um you know, I don't like fully broken in stock, but stock that you can work. Like there's there's nothing worse than when you get to a trial and um, you know your your cattle are just being run out of a out of a mountain that hadn't been touched for twelve months, and and you um you know no matter what your dog does, you can't uh, can't block them or, or anything like that. You sort of go away disappointed. So yeah, obviously um stock that have been handled a little bit. Like yeah, it's, it's uh, um yeah if you can go away you know as long as i go away happy with my dog i don't care whether i win a ribbon like it's a bonus if you get a ribbon but yeah if you can if you go away from that trial thinking oh geez my dogs work well and and all that sort of thing it's yeah that's all you need to be like yeah yeah so it's here yeah. um favorite trial well yeah i did um when i was three shirt trial and i liked the little trial um just a local one here. It's uh, Marundi, like it's just one of those relaxed trials. The people who run it are just yeah, terrific people, and it's it's just real countryfied, and you know it's mm -hmm. it, and it was one of those trials that I sort of um, I used to do well. Like it's yeah, like you pretty much always come away. If I didn't win it, I'd come away with a ribbon or or close to it. Like yeah, it's um, yeah, so Marundi. Probably the pick of Marundi and um, Marlong, like the New South Wales Championship at Marlong. Like I really like that trial. Like that was one of my uh, my big ones. I used to like that. And, oh, I, I think I only went to the nationals three times. I think, but yeah, yeah, sort of probably between those three. So, 
Molong actually kicks off tomorrow, so good luck to all the three sheep trollers today. today. Well, there you go. Yeah. I'm, I'm a day mate. Good luck to all the three sheep trollers out there at, uh, at Mel. Uh, I hope yeah. you all uh, have a great weekend and uh, are happy just with uh, what you accomplished over the weekend. By oh, week, sorry. And, mate, yeah. Um, yeah. Do, do you have a special moment or an achievement that you're proud of? Um, yeah, I've got probably probably a couple. Um I won New South Wales Championship um, with a little bitch called Cook's Faith. Um, I think it was back in 2007. Um, that was a good one to win. Um, yeah, like all you, all a lot of your big trollers from around uh, around the Australia were there, and and to win that one, the yeah, there was one out at Cobar that yeah um, they run out there. A friend of mine, uh, Daniel Stevens, run it there. Um, it was the second year he ran it, and uh, it was a really popular trial. And um, and uh, it yeah, there was two hundred. I can't remember. It was a record uh, entries there. Two hundred. I think it was two hundred or close to two hundred and fifty. And I had a little little bitch who was only two year old called Cooks Jody. And and um, anyway, I took her out there. Wasn't expecting to um, like she was still a novice bitch, and and took her out there and. Uh, any rate, the, I got into the uh, got into the final of the Open, um, the top twenty in that. Then uh, I was sort of it was in the back of my mind that being a young bitch like that, I would uh, I would blow a mind like you know if you yeah. she had she went in novice novice Open got into to the top twenty runner in that. Then there was another trial of the Maisie Hudson trial, and uh, she had. Um, um, six runs, and, oh, wow. and I've, I've blown, I've blown dogs by doing that very thing. And and um, this little bitch just kept every time I'd get out, I'd pull her out, she'd just grow another leg. And um, mm. any rate, so I end up coming away winning it that year, and that was a big achievement with a young dog like that 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 just kept growing a leg. Like it's yeah, it's really uh, really good for me, and that one sort of sticks with me a fair bit. So yeah, yep. That's a good one to remember, mate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Especially, yeah, as I say, a dog that um dog that you bred yourself and trained, it's it's really nice. Definitely. In your travels, um, is there something that you've seen handlers struggle with and where do you believe they can improve? Um yeah, probably um <laughs> probably like me when I was starting out, I think the nerves, like the, the nerves just killed me, like um yeah so if they can try and you know just just try and calm their nerves like you know and um and yeah i learned a big thing like when i was when i was three sheep trial and like you i would work it in four different stages like you know you'd cast your dog out and you'd sit your dog down at the end you'd take a breath and you'd pick your sheep up and and bring them up to you and you, when you got them in your your set, you'd take another big breath and just calm yourself down. And, and each obstacle that you got to, you just just take a big breath and think, right, I'm just here. I'm working at home. I'm just here. Like, yeah. So just sort of, yeah, just try and calm your, calm your nerves that way. Like, yeah, take a big breath and yeah. Um, especially when you get into, you know, you get into a final and bits and pieces like that. You, um, you your heart seems to start jumping out of your chest. So yeah. You just got to try and try, try and calm yourself down. Yeah, 
I'm enough trouble with that with the first round, so that'll be <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah, but no, you and you know, in saying calm your nerves down. If you haven't got nerves, you're not um, you're not competitive. I don't reckon. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a good thing to have nerves, but just just try and keep them. Yeah, I, I was that bad. I could. When I was whistling, I could hear my heartbeat through my whistle. I was that bad. And we often hear the debate about trial dogs not making good work dogs or real work dogs. Mate, what's your take when you hear something like that? Or that yeah, no, just yeah, I don't believe that. Like, you know, obviously, obviously, um, yeah, there's probably a few people that are breeding breeding just for trialling, um, I guess that could be a bit of the factor in it. But, yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't believe that at all. Like, I think a dog's got um, dogs, yeah, he can, you know, if, if you can train him, if you're a pretty handy trainer, you can train him to work trial out in the farm anywhere. Like, yeah, yep, yeah, for sure. Any advice to someone wanting to get into the trialling scene? Um, yeah, no, it's like yeah. All I can say, once you start, you you're hooked and you'll yeah, you'll love it. So yeah, um, yeah, and just you know, probably probably go out and and talk to a, you know a few people that have done it for a few years, um, get their idea and and even on a dog before you even uh, before you even go out and get yourself a dog, go and have a look at a at a trial and talk to a few people and. And talk to them about dogs and breeds and all that sort of thing and whatever suits them. So, yeah, I'd suggest to get out and, and speak to speak to a few people that have been trialing for a few years. Yeah, definitely. And mate, while we're talking about advice, what about anyone that just wanted to get into the livestock uh, industry? What advice would you give to someone that a younger person or even someone that wanted a change of of scenery or career? Yeah, no, it's a great. It's it's yeah. There's nothing better than going out. Um, Going out with your, you know, three or four dogs out onto a farm and working a few sheep or, or cows, like, yeah, the lifestyle is just, yeah, second to none. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's rewarding. Like, yeah, it's, a, yeah, if you've got good dogs and, and, you know, good cows, good line of cows and things like that, you won't get much better. Not for me, anyway. Like, yeah, yeah, I think, mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, definitely a good lifestyle. So, yeah, and as as I say, I I went into the mines and yeah, come straight back to where I left. So yeah. yeah. Is there anyone you'd like to see us uh, sit down and have a chat with on Dog Talk? Um, yeah, I was thinking. I saw um on Facebook there the other day. Um, how Laurie Slater was at Canberra. Um, I think he would be a fella that yeah, you probably need to um need to probably go to him and interview him. I don't know whether he's technology or, or whether someone could set him up with technology like this, but yeah, I think he's a, he would be a great man to talk to. He, he's, he's just a great stockman. Um, a dog that it, it, like his dogs are just so natural. Like, you, like I've judged him many, many times and, and you, you know, you listen to him with his dogs and there's all of you hear him say, get out of that, get out, get out. Get out. Yeah, yeah, get out. Like, there's no commands. There's no stop. His dogs are, are just, yeah, just that natural. And, and, yeah, as I say, he's just a good old stockman. He knows where his dogs have got to be. And, 
And, uh, yeah, definitely he would be the bloke that I would suggest, yeah. Yeah, him or, you know, Billy Davis would be another good one. Billy Davison, so. Yeah, yeah. Might, might be able to have a word with Billy for us, mate. <laughs> yeah, mate. Yeah, no, I'm sure I'll be able to screw his arm. <laughs> mate, let's come to that time of the night, mate. Um, if you, our viewers watching at night there today, uh, if you could pick a question. I actually had a couple of mates message me during there and go, oh, have you asked the question about this yet? And I got, sorry, mate, beat you to it already. <laughs> so, we, uh, guys, we remind you that you've got to get in quick with your questions because they keep rolling. So, yeah. Yeah. Was, there, was there a question there tonight, mate, that... Um, um, just uh, I can't remember, but the yeah, there was the last question there. Someone, what what was that one? I, um, about the breeding, about, about the, the breeding. That's what it actually, was. Yeah, yeah. asked yeah. about um, and you thought that the female had seventy percent more. That's um, right. Yeah. Yeah. that yeah. was uh, Maddie Haig. So if you could get in contact with us, we'll get you bag of Enduro Plus. So that's cool, Maddie. Um, yeah, if you want to do that, and also um, Fred. As part of being a guest tonight, uh, you got a bag of Enduro Plus coming your way. Oh, lovely. Thank you. for Real Kangaroo, mate. <laughs> so we'd like to thank all of our members for tuning in tonight. It's been a great chat. And obviously you, Fred, for the time out of your night. We really appreciate that. Yep. No one last question. If you had to choose between fighting one duck the size of a horse or 20 horses the size of ducks, which one would it be? Oh, geez. I'm a lover, not a fighter, so probably neither. But <laughs> so, uh, probably the 20, 20 of the ducks, I think they're a bit smaller, a bit like myself. I'm not that big. So, yeah, <laughs> I'd take them on. <laughs> nah, awesome, mate. And thank, like Laura said, thank you very much for your time tonight. Really, really appreciate you um, putting some, setting some time aside and, uh, and having a chat with us. No worries. Thank you very much. And all our listeners out there, thank you. And please remember, we learn every day. And the day we stop learning will be a sad one for all of us. Thank you. Good night.